In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. So you're here because you want to know modern, vintage, everything in the world of card collecting today. Chuck, he's the collector, and Joe, he's the dealer, welcome you to the best card talk that covers it all. From the hottest new cases to 67 high numbers, all brought to you by Oxygen Financial. Breathe easier about life with Oxygen Financial. Visit OxygenFinancial.net and buy sports card investor the leading source for videos podcasts and articles about investing in sports cards profit from the hobby you love by visiting sportscardinvestor.com collector dealer take it away well we will take it away it's episode 14 of the collector and the dealer it matters where you buy, just like what you buy and how much you pay and what your uh, point is, investor, collector, dealer, whatever. Uh, speaking of collectors, that's me. I'm Chuck Oliver. He's the dealer, Joe Davis. Joe, welcome. How you been, man? Doing great, Chuck. Looking forward to an exciting time of conversation today. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I tell you, every, every week we're here because of support from Oxygen Financial, my personal financial advisors for several years. And I called them and I was like, I want other people to get the benefits I've gotten, whether it's taxes, insurance, investments, future planning, whatever it is. Oxygen Financial. Uh, breathe easy with Oxygen Financial. Also, thanks to Sports Card Investor. That's Jeff Wilson. Joe, tell everybody why Jeff and his YouTube channel are so awesome. Jeff just does a fantastic job of. Uh, he's an analytical expert at the hobby and provides so much good content on his videos. I've, I've been a guest on there a few times, and we really delve deep into the analytics of what's going on in the industry and, and really provides great information especially for those who are wanting to invest in the hobby learn what's trending what might be trending who you know who's going up who's going down so it's a he provides some phenomenal information through his channel absolutely sports card investor and we also know that a week from right now as a matter of fact it's not the national it's the virtual and joe you're going to be part of it i'm going to be part of it it, is, it literally is a public service to the collecting community from jeff and his uh, sports card investor youtube channel uh it's it's going to be a lot of great discussions and 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 we're going to look at some different collections it's just going to be it's going to be a you know a few nights strung together uh, really, like I said, it's a service for the community. I know you're going to be part of it as well. Yeah, really looking forward to that. It's going to be, be great to, uh, as I say, you know, help, help build community for collectors worldwide. And uh, I think we're going to have a huge turnout for that event online. Okay, now we'll get to how I buy later on in this episode. We do that in the second half, the vintage part. And that's with me. Sometimes, Joe, I've told you, I'm wearing glasses and holding a magnifying glass, looking at an image on a computer screen. I'm sure you've done stuff like that, okay? Because I'm buying raw vintage cards, and I got to look at all of it. Um, I'm going to make an assumption here, and, and I think I'm right, but just correct me here if, if, if I'm off a little bit. That's vintage stuff that's been open for 50 years. It's been handled by maybe 15 different people who have owned it, whatever. Right. Brand new product, if it is a sealed box... 
or even a sealed pack if you trust the dealer. But honestly, a sealed box of new product, um, it still does matter where you get it once that box has been opened and there are loose packs around. Talk about uh, just the different buying options in retail and the specific boxes that Target may get versus a different retail uh, outlet or online, et cetera, specifically the new card market and where you advise people the best ways to maximize their dollars are. Sure. We get asked questions about you know new product all the time. And of course we sell new product on our website on gotbaseballcards.com and we, we sell products on eBay and other places. And I actually got an email and, and it was kind of dumbfounded me. Somebody emailed me literally yesterday and said, Hey, I just wanted to make sure that I order boxes from you, that it's original sealed boxes. And I was like, well, of course it is. We guarantee everything we sell to be, you know, brand new sealed boxes. And then it, it hit me. I'm like, well, obviously some other people aren't selling that. Yeah. So they're buying, selling repackaged and stuff like that. So it is, you, you have to find someone you trust because um, both, I mean, I've had customers who bought product at a big box retailer and they came and they said, wow, these were um, tampered with. Um, that, that's a rarity, but it does happen. Uh, and of course, they bought from people online, especially sometimes fly by night dealers on eBay that maybe don't have a, a long history on there. Uh, you can you have to be very careful, especially with older product. But of course, I know we're, we're hitting more on the newer stuff, but but the older product can a lot more easily be resealed but with newer product what you will see sometimes is people will buy the product uh, say they buy a hobby box that guarantees one autograph per box they'll open the product till they hit that autograph put more packs they've already searched back into the box reseal the box and then sell it as a new product so you have to be very careful yeah and let me go ahead and you know we'll break down the math there's a box with like 24 packs in it and you're guaranteed an auto or a jersey or a relic card whatever there's but there's one so you just you get two boxes 24 packs a piece uh in the 17th pack you find the jersey card well now you've got seven packs that you can then reconfigure towards eventually a full box that you sell as if it still has a pack in there um and uh, you're right that's just that's not tampering that's searching and i honestly don't really differentiate between those it's still dirty pool it's not giving the 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 your customer an honest shot at it um and i've heard that there are places i'm going to name some names and i'm not making accusations i'm just telling what people have told me because i don't buy new product uh but you said big box i mean it may be walmart target whatever that there are folks that'll walk up and if the box is open They'll just start literally blatantly taking out packs and just start searching them, looking for the pack that may have the jersey or the auto. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. There, there's people on camera. I've seen you know YouTube things where where there's there's a guy you know just playing with the packs, trying to search and try to hunt down the memorabilia card or whatever. And so you got to be very careful about buying loose packs. You know, from a big box. It's one thing to buy a sealed box from them, but to buy loose packs, you're you're asking for probably getting less than what you hope for. So that that's why we don't let in our retail store, you know, we don't let customers play with the packs. We, you know, we'll say, you know, you know, pick them out, but you know, they're not going to sit there and, and feel every pack. Yeah, uh, it's just we have to limit that. So. All right, and, and and honestly, this next part, Joe, I, we were talking before we started recording today, and I was, I said, you know, I heard a story, and I don't know that it's real, and you're like, Chuck, it's real. Um, 
I had somebody tell me, I was talking about, you know, buying new product and, and searching it and whatever, and the guy didn't understand, like, I was talking about it with disdain. He was like, oh, no, 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 here's the key. The truck gets to Target at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays. And I was like, what? He's like, oh, yeah, I've gotten them right off, the, like, the, the, the hand truck as the guy's putting it onto the shelves. I'm then taking it off and looking through boxes, and I'm like... You've got to be kidding. And Joe, you're like, no, uh, you've heard the same thing. When the truck gets there, that's when you need to be there if you want to search packs. Yeah, I uh, I have a number of my – I have no time to run around, but I, a number of my customers will call me like, hey, you know, it just hit Centerville or it just hit Loganville, just hit – what you know, and I'm like, well, good for you, you know, and so more power to you, you know, if you were able to get there. But uh, I have one customer in particular, he'll say – well, I know the Walmart in this city gets their product on this day and the Walmart in this city gets it on this day. And so he he, he literally um, he has the flexibility in his job to, to run around and hit these places and try to time it right. And so he he's it's been very lucrative for him because he's been able to buy a lot of product and, and literally like he'll get there and the, the guy's delivering. And so he'll wait and they put it on the yep. shelf and then he buys it as soon as it's on the shelf. So. But I've heard some some uh, really negative stories about that as well, where there's multiple people who are like vultures waiting, and then then there's like confrontations about I was here first, no, I, you know, and so. Oh, it's like bread in the Soviet Union in the seventies. Um, oh yeah, it, absolutely. We got four loaves. Um, all right, last thing I want to ask you about, and again, because I'm just not as well versed on the modern stuff um, as as a lot of others, but. You know, if I would have walked into the Magic Market, which was the little gas station convenience store I bought most of my packs when I was, you know, elementary and, and middle school. Joe, if I walked into the Magic Market in 1980 and I had seen unopened packs from 1977, I would have bought every last one of them. Um, I actually got an email from a different person listening to this this uh, uh, episode or one of the earlier episodes, and I've checked it out. I walked into a Target. I saw unopened but still new in its original packages unopened uh, material from 2018 17 even back as far as 2016 at one walmart i looked at are you likely to find anything or is it there's a reason it's been sitting on that shelf for three years um no i mean there are companies that the repackagers who buy up uh packs and then they'll repackage them often in configurations of like 10 different packs, you know, from different years. And so, um, I've had customers hit things in those. Um, I, I just always feel safer buying an entire box of a product, mm -hmm. uh, because the, the guaranteed hits are going to be there. Um, you know, but, but buying older packs, of course, I mean, that's part of what we do. I mean, like in, in our retail store, we stock packs back to the mid seventies. So, I mean, th there's always that thrill of going back in time and, reliving your childhood and buying, you know, unopened packs. Um, I have a box of 79 Opeachy in stock right now that, which I'm really <sighs> tempted to pop, but it's just really too expensive to do so. Wow. So, 79 Opeachy hockey. Great. That's a great no, no, box. No, no, it's actually baseball. Uh, baseball. I was, I, <laughs> <laughs> if it was hockey, that would be a million dollar box maybe. Correct. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I think so. I believe that's about market. So. Um, and, and by the way, the 79 Opeachy with the Gretzky rookies, um, it, they're just because the blue borders. I mean, that's that's the card that drives the prices like that. Uh, that's interesting. You've got the baseball there. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, I mean, a real big treat, especially for a guy like me that had been collecting vintage for so long. But I decided to get a little crazy a few months ago, and I'm now heading towards pre-war cards. Up next, we're going to have an interview with Anson Whaley from prewarcards.com. That's next on The Collector and the Dealer. 
I told you we're here because of support from Oxygen Financial. They're a sponsor of the collector and the dealer, but where my wife and I are, that's also in part thanks to Oxygen Financial. We have been personal clients of Oxygen for several years now, and originally it was for help with our taxes, looking to pay what we're supposed to, but not more. And we had been paying more for years, actually, it turned out. With Oxygen's help, that immediately changed for the better. And my wife and I decided, let's see what Oxygen thinks of our investments and overall strategy. Well, three years later, after making that choice, I can tell you we breathe easier when it comes to the market than at any time before getting with Oxygen Financial. And that's including the current issues all of us everywhere are dealing with. If you might have a question about where you and your family are, any at all, take the step we did and visit OxygenFinancial.com. You can get a free copy of Oxygen's 21-day budget cleanse, as well as Oxygen's guide on how to save up to $100,000 in taxes in 2020, just for telling them you heard Chuck talking about it. Breathe easier about life. Visit OxygenFinancial.com. A popular thought in the sports card world is that there's two camps, those that love the hobby and those that profit from the industry. Thanks to Sports Card Investor, you can do both. Jeff Wilson has built his Sports Card Investor YouTube channel and his personal website, sportscardinvestor.com, so that if you're a beginner looking to flip cards for cash or a returning veteran to the hobby wanting to make sure you get the best deals ahead of any emerging price trends, Sports Card Investor is for you. Sports Card Investor, the leading source for videos, podcasts, and articles about investing in sports cards. Profit from the hobby you love by visiting sportscardinvestor.com. Welcome back to The Collector and the Dealer, episode 14. I am The Collector. I'm Chuck Oliver. He is The Dealer. He is Joe Davis. And our guest now is... Uh, really special uh, experience today because I've been reading this guy's website for the past three or four months, and you think, well, that's not that long. I've been reading all of it. Um, I got interested in pre-war pre-war cards going back a little further uh, than my normal vintage 50s and maybe some of the 40s. I got interested in pre-war cards, folks, about uh, three four months ago and found prewarcards.com. Uh, and it is just a tremendous database. It is, sure, it's a flyover of each set. It's uh, when it was produced, who made it, how many cards, here's a checklist, etc. But it's also a breakdown of what you're likely to experience if you start down these paths. I want to welcome on right now from prewarcards.com. It's his site. It is Anson Whaley. Anson, welcome, amigo. How you doing today? I'm doing great. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well, and I just want to get into this and ask you about the site first of all. I got to imagine you've had to replace some keys on that laptop because uh, it is the most extensive, and I mean, like not just you know an inch deep, but a mile wide. It is deep dives on this stuff. It's a tremendous site. Um, I've got to imagine you've invested a lot of hours in this. <laughs> I did. That, that's, I, I get that question or that that thought a lot, and. Um, yeah, that, that's absolutely true. I, I started a few years ago, and, um, you know, I'm, I work a full-time job uh, during the day, obviously, and uh, so I would, you know, work that. I'd come home, and literally from, you know, the time I got home until the time I went to sleep, you know, I did that for probably almost about a year. Um, I, I put in, you know, creating the, the set pages, and um, it's a little unique in that, you know, it's, it's not only just a, you know, like a database, but it's also a blog where I, like you mentioned, I do some of the deep dives into, uh, you know, specific sets and everything like that. So it's, 
it's a little unique that it's, it's like a blog, but it's also like a database that people use, yep. I know, for, you know, checklisting purposes and that sort of thing. So, yeah, absolutely logged, logged a lot of miles, and, and I still do. I'm still adding, uh, you know, new sets constantly that, you know, obscure international sets that aren't there. Um, I'm still updating the site regularly, and, you know, just this past week I added a few more, and it's just one of those expansive uh, things that never really ends. <laughs> Anson, I've I got to tell you, I, I am blown away. Chuck turned me on to your site, and I've just been looking it over and over. There's so much great content there, and I appreciate all the work you've put into it. I'm, I'm going to be sharing this with our customers uh, because uh, it's going to be a great resource for them. But i got to ask you, um, anyone with this kind of passion to build a site like this has to be a passionate collector at heart. So, so tell me a couple of your favorite sets um that either that you have built or that you're currently working on so i i guess if i had to start somewhere it would be the the american tobacco sets um t205 t2 t206 and t207 uh t206 is really what sort of got me into the pre-war collecting um i had collected some pre-war stuff um before that point um but when I when I got my first T206, you know, I want to say, I want to say maybe uh, maybe five or six years ago, um, I really got turned on to the set in in sort of a unique way, and it's one of those things that you know I talked to other people, and um, it it was sort of similar with them, I guess, too, that you, you get hooked pretty easily. Uh, so I bought uh, just a single common from the set. And um, by the following week, I had about 50. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, you literally can't stop until you, you know, until you get them all. So I, I started with T206, and then I, uh, then I did T205, and then I'm, I'm actually just wrapping up T207 now. I'm, I'm down to the last two cards I need um, for that basic set. Um, that set has, like, I think, like six variations that, you know, are a little pricier, and I'm, I'm not too concerned about those. But um, the 200 basic card set, I'm, I'm just down to my last two cards on that one. So that's – if I had to pinpoint anything, that, that's probably the string of sets that uh, I've sort of come to appreciate the most just because, uh, you know, a variety of reasons. The artwork, um, <clears throat> just the time that was spent. You know, we, we spend a lot of time as collectors, you know, building these sets, but – you know, the time that was spent, you know, actually getting them put together, getting them distributed. That's a great point. Just a really, uh, just a really special thing. Absolutely true. Uh, continuing with Anson Whaley from prewarcards.com. That's him on Twitter as well, folks. And I will tell you that it's been a uh, – not a – I can't say it's a structured set schedule, but this man will throw you a curveball on Twitter. Cards are for sale right now, and it's all pre-war and pretty cool stuff, so follow him on Twitter as well. Uh, Anson, you were talking about the T206, and I am just now starting. I do not have a single card yet. Uh, just so you'll know, I go back to the 53 top set, the Redman sets from the early 50s. And, of course, my OCD, I am so condition sensitive. If there's a tab, it has to be included. You know, that, I'm that guy. <laughs> I realize that, like, my 58 set, I bet you it averages between eight, eight and a half, nine. okay? And I only bought, buy raw cards. If there's any choice, I will not buy graded. Joe has told me, yeah, Chuck, you need to get over that if you're going to collect pre-war. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
because he says you're going to have to get down to like fours and four and a halfs and be pretty happy with them unless you have an unlimited checkbook. Give me your flyover of of honestly the risk I'm taking by buying ungraded vintage cards in relatively high grade. I, I would say there's 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 considerable risk. If nah, you're doing that. No. Not, not, <laughs> <laughs> not that it can't be done but so, so my collecting philosophy is a little different i i basically will take a card in in virtually any condition i can get um if i was collecting later stuff that, that wouldn't be the case uh, i'm like you i like nicer looking cards obviously. a lifetime of hard work children laughing in the kitchen family photos on a restaurant wall a legacy that lives on it all comes from the power of a conversation like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction, inferior site preparation, or weather. Drought causes cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at AtlantaRamjack.com. But it's one of those things that if I had to only stick with mid-grade cards or high-grade cards, I would be priced out of the pre-war market pretty quickly as far as set building. Um, and when you talk about buying, uh, you know, like raw cards, it, it, gets, it gets very tricky because um, there are a lot of, like, minute, you know, things that you might not be able to catch. Like trimming is, is obviously, you know, the, the biggest thing that's mentioned. But even, like, slight alterations, like, you know, a small erasure, which, you know, yeah. a card with, would grade it down, you know, to authentic or, or you know, very low grade. Uh, some of those things like that, you know, you can miss unless you're working with a loop or you've got some sort of magnification tool, you know, right at your disposal as you're buying every card. You know, if, if you're if you're really intent on buying mid grade or high grade cards, I always recommend people get graded. Um, you know, even if you don't store them that way, I, I wouldn't recommend cracking open, you know, a a PSA 8, you know, T206 card. But, yeah, uh, but some but, people really just hate, hate the look of, of slabs and everything. So so that's an option. But I would say there's considerable risk in doing that just because there are so many small things that can be missed. Yeah, funny story. We were at the National Joe. This would have probably been about five years ago, and I was completing a 67 set. And, I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you flat out, Anson, I'm cheap. And I will outweigh the world because I am convinced every card is available out there somewhere raw in an album, and I'm going to find it. Well, I found I couldn't find a 67 mantle in the highest, uh, you know, high enough condition for me. And so I found one that had been graded like a seven and a half. And I was like, that's way undergraded. I bought it, took it over to Joe to get his uh, opinion on it. And Joe looked at me and he was like, looked up, he started shaking his head. He's like, you're going to crack this out of the case, aren't you? I was like, yeah. He said, you realize you'll take away about a third of the value when you do that. I was like, I don't care. He's like, yeah, it's probably undergraded. And no, I wouldn't crack it, but you're going to. So uh, Joe's trying to, trying to uh, you know, cure me of some of my, my, my worst habits. But uh, anyway, go ahead, Joe. 
you know, Anson, I was going to ask you, you know, the name of our show is The Collector and the Dealer. So do you see yourself more, where do you see yourself in that mix? I know you, um, uh, you're a collector, but you also resell. So do you often use your, uh, do you buy up collections partially for resale, partially to keep, or how do you approach that? I, I am, you know, probably like 95 to 99% a collector. Um, the Twitter sales that I run, uh, literally, I, I just started, it was maybe, maybe about two months ago. Um, prior to that, I had sold, you know, very few cards on occasion. Um, I, I, I get a lot of, you know, messages from Twitter, a lot of email messages and that sort of thing, people wanting to, you know, buy particular cards. And I'm one of those people, like, if I've got, you know, three or four of a card, you know, typically I'd be willing to talk about selling one. Um, but I don't, I really don't like to sell cards. I, I like to, you know, hang on to cards. Part of the reason I do that, you know, is because I'm mostly a set collector. So I'm not going to obviously sell cards for my sets. Um, I do, you know, have a bunch of singles, but I, I really am I'm more of a collector. I, I just started, you know, dipping my toes into the, the selling thing purely out of demand. I've, I've just had so many people reach out to me, you know, through email or, or Twitter and just say, I'd love to get started in pre-war cards, but I don't know where to start. Like, do you have something for sale? And it's such an, like, it's such a, you know, open-ended question. Like, well, I guess I have something I can sell you, but you know, it's like one of those things that I, I was not actively selling before. I've just started doing it now. Um, just with the virus and, and being stuck yeah. at home, it, I've got, time like like other people do and uh but i'm, I'm definitely more of a collector i i'd say follow this man on twitter at pre-war cards uh anson it, it whenever anybody asks me uh why do you collect a bunch of old cardboard uh i tell them go google cracker jack 1914 or 1915 i say you'll get it and i mean just looking at the aesthetics of this card that that's a hundred years old um and i want to start collecting them as well Give me a, a verbal bucket of ice water in my face. Um, what am I looking at if I decide I want to collect some? Again, four and a half fives in the, the Cracker Jack sets those two years. Because they may be the most gorgeous pre-war cards that exist. Oh, geez. Yeah, I mean, the, the bright red backgrounds, I mean, it's, it's weird. They have such a basic look, like, like the T206 card. Um, you know, there's a lot of artwork, a lot of details, and – you know, Cracker Jack's basically the exact opposite. Slap a player on the front and then, you know, blank red background. That's basically it. But it's such an iconic look that it's just stuck for so long. Um, you know, you're going to run into problems, I, I think, more with the 1914 set. It's it's just a lot rarer. Um, I, I haven't looked recently. And, but... and it was thrown in a box of caramel popcorn. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. And the cards themselves are... are I don't. I don't know if you've accumulated any yet, but they're 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 really thin. They're on thinner cardboard, and they're you know they're easily damaged, and that led to a lot of them probably being discarded. And uh, you know, even in low grade shape, like you know, you're looking at about a hundred bucks a card probably. Oh, that's, that's, that's pretty low grade. Like, <laughs> I reject that. <laughs> you can get them cheaper I, I i saw one the other day i think it was advertised for about 75 bucks you really don't see them you know much cheaper than that unless they've like you know been run over by a truck and you know you've got maybe three quarters of the card left over it's 
it, it gets really tough to find, you know, decent looking low grade ones under a hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, and then, and then you've got the stars, like, like it, it doesn't have the rarities like P206 does, but, um, you know, like, like a Matthewson, uh, from the 1914 set, you know, you're looking at even in like very low grade condition, you're looking at about $15,000 probably, you know, Cobb's the same way. Um, Walter Johnson's in the set. Like you're talking about, you know, just sort of like a few very expensive cards that in even low grade condition are going to run you five figures. Um, well, no matter what so you say, very, go ahead. Um, no, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, no matter what you say, you're not going to dampen my enthusiasm for this. I am still no, going to. No, no, there, there, are, there are certainly Cracker Jack set collectors out there. And, you know, every now and then you'll, you'll hear, you know, somebody working on one or somebody that's, that's even got one. The problem is the cards have just risen in value so yep. dramatically in the Absolutely. last few years. Yeah. Like it, it was, you know, even even like ten or fifteen years ago, you know, the cards have just dramatically risen so much, like like tie top cards. Really cards of Hall of Famers are the ones that have really just skyrocketed and, and made like set building, you know, a lot more difficult. Um, if you were pursuing either of the two sets, I think, you know, the 1915 set is, is going to be a, a cheaper alternative. Um, but it's still, you know, you're talking, I think, 176 cards. You're talking, you know, even low-grade cards, you know, between 75 and 100 bucks. I mean, it's, it's certainly, you know, it's not cheap. It's not that it can't be done, um, but it, it's not cheap. And, and the cards are, are dramatically, you know, harder to find than T206 oh, cards. A- absolutely. And I think the last set I saw uh, being presented was owned by Charlie Sheen. So uh, if I'm going to jump jump into right. that market, so be it. Uh, wrapping up with Anson Whaley from Pre-War Cards. Joe? Yeah, Anson, I've just uh, been perusing your site as we've been talking, and I'm going to ask you quickly about one cheaper set because I've ne- I collect vintage non-sports as well. And you actually oh. have on your site a 1940 R161 Walt Disney set that shows Mickey Mouse playing football. And that is just too cool. Have you actually ever owned any of these or familiar with? Obviously, you did a write-up on them in 2016, it looks like. But um, that's just awesome. You t- tell me more yeah. about those as a collector from for me. Sure, sure. I'm not terribly familiar with those cards. I do have some. Um, I know that set it's basically like Disney characters playing sports. And uh, so you've got Mickey with a football. Um, you've got some characters. I think, I think there's a Mickey Mouse baseball card maybe. Um, you've got uh, other characters playing like football and basketball. I mean, it's uh, it's sort of a unique set in that um, I, I don't know if it's the earliest one, you know, depicting like those characters playing sports, but it's certainly, you know, like one of. I think it's like an early 40 set um, I've got a few of them. The, the ones that I've got have have like uh, torn edges, like like strip cards do, basically from mm-hmm. the 20s. Right. You know, these cards that were printed in strips, and a lot of times they were just ripped off or, or cut off quickly. Um, so I don't know if they were strip cards or, or candy cards. I know they're classified as candy cards, um, but I've seen a bunch with like the torn edges. So I'm, I'm not entirely sure exactly how they were. Uh, distributed but yeah it's a very cool uh very fun set that you know the cards are pretty cheap i think the commons you know are, are you know like decent condition you can usually get the commons for about 10 or 15 bucks and uh some oh, yeah. of the, you know like mickey cards are a little bit more um the baseball cards obviously are, are more than that um 
But, yeah, it's, it's sort of like a really low-grade. I don't know if you've ever seen any cards in person, but uh, no. they're pretty, like, low-grade low cards. The print quality isn't real good. Um, and uh, it's it's just one of those unique sets that uh, it was it was, came out, you know, just a little bit after uh, really the creation of, like, some of these characters, which is, which is sort of cool. Anson, last thing for you, and, I mean, I have just been blown away by some of the stuff I have found specifically, like I said, on your site, prewarcards.com, but I, I, you talk about the randomness. I live in Atlanta, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta, about 10 minutes, there's a place called Shambly where they have a bunch of, I mean, like vintage, mid-century, modern, you know, little antique stores. I found one of the Murad cigarette mail-away premiums from 1910 or 11 or so, um, the set is not plentiful. There were 150 cards. So you get a card and a pack of cigarettes. Um, you would mail off 15 wrappers and you could get one of 25 mail away premiums. And to make it even more of a curveball, uh, they printed them with two different fonts on the back. So there's actually two sets of 25 you can pursue. I randomly found the Rochester hockey card, the premium, the big one. Um, and I got it for 25 bucks, and I have to imagine that was a pretty good deal. I just love that set. Just just give me some information about that as I start down the Murad sets, because I'm going to get the regular issues and the premiums. Well, it, it, first, if, if you if you decide to uh, move that Rochester <laughs> card, I'd be happy to buy it for 25 bucks because that is, that is quite a deal. Uh, typically, the you know the, the major sports in that set, like the baseball, the football, the you know the ho- that's the hockey card, obviously. Um, and the basketball, um, you know, they sell for usually over a hundred bucks in decent shape. So he did pretty well there. Um, but yeah, you're correct. The, uh, the T51 Murads, um, issued around 1909, uh, through 1911, um, smaller size cards and they were uh, distributed with cigarettes and, uh, there's 150 in that set. Although that's, that's really just the basic set. I think there's about 225 cards in it. Um, some of them have like second series or first series printed on yeah. them. And then there's also like a, a, the first series it had some with like a card number printed on the front, which are, which are harder to find, but a basic 150 card set. It's one of those, it's a really nice pre-war set for somebody just getting started because um, it, it's pretty affordable. You know, it's a training wheel set. What's that? It's a training wheel set. Yeah, absolutely. Like, low, I mean, it's big. There's 150 cards in it, but you know, low grade cards are you know typically five five bucks or so. And then you know, the the more expensive sports, you know, the the four major American sports are, are a little bit more. But it's a very fun set. It has different colleges featuring just different sports, you know, with generic players. It's called the college sports set. And then the premium set is, as you mentioned, it, it's just a. Uh, significantly rarer because people had to send away for those cards. They, they didn't print, you know, nearly as many. And then you run into this thing that, you know, a lot of those premium mail aways, like you would get to pick which card you wanted. So the more popular cards may be actually more plentiful than like, you know, a rare sport from Absolutely. a smaller power. So it's, but it, yeah, they're, they're very fun sets and, and the artwork on them uh, is, is just tremendous. Well, Anson, I got to tell you, um, I know both Joe and I are really looking forward to this, and I can say I have thoroughly enjoyed this. We're going to have you back on. We're going to put you to work some more, okay? No, absolutely. I, I love it. it it's, it's a great show, and uh, happy, to, happy to do it. So anytime. From prewarcards.com, it is Anson Whaley. All right, hey, brother. That's Yeah, that was good. We'll, uh, we'll do it again, man.
Yeah, okay, thanks no, so much, Anson. We appreciate it. Good. No, I hope that worked. I'm sort of uh, I'm holed up down here in a basement with a cell phone, and it's just uh, not an ideal condition. My wife works in our office during the day, so I'm I'm forced down here in the dungeon, and it's a little harder to concentrate down here. But I, I hope that was okay for you. It's good stuff, man. Thanks so much. No problem. Talk to you later. All right, Anson Lately. All right, uh, Joe, we're going to pick it up with uh, me introducing Joe Buys a Box. And we will. What do you think about Anson, man? It, had, you, wow. I, had, I had not seen that site myself until like three months ago. Yeah, it's incredible. I was just flipping through some of those. Like, it's amazing the amount of content he's got on there. So, yeah, definitely going to use that as, as a resource. Yeah, and, and you know, I would go to Dean's cards and I would get so frustrated at looking at his prices. I'm like, Chuck, you're not here for the prices, just the information. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I found a new go-to. All right. Um, all right, that was Anson Whaley from PreWarCards.com. Looking forward to having him back, but also looking forward to... Joe buys a box. Signals the end of another episode, but we always end with a couple of great little Easter eggs here. Uh, Joe buys a box ahead of the weekend. Uh, what are you getting? What are you spending? And then what are you going to find in the box? This week, I'm going to pop a box of 2020 Tops Heritage Baseball for no reason other than the fact these are, of course, designed after the 1971s. And I've never had a mint condition set of 71 Tops. But if I pop a box of this, build me a set. I probably have to pop a couple boxes, but if I could build me a set, I could feel like I have a mint condition 71 design set. Uh, one autograph, one memorabilia per box. I believe they're on $90 a box for a hobby box. But, um, you know, I love the 71 design, and so uh, that's my box for the week. Uh, how many packs in the hobby box? Uh, it is uh, 24 packs per box and nine cards per pack. So I would have to do a couple boxes to even come close to a set, but it's a... Uh, Really, really clean design. Oh. I love the seventy ones. And everybody listening right now, do not make fun of me because I'm gonna ask a basic. I'm gonna ask a two plus two question. Is a blaster box like half of a hobby box? Um, it's closer to a third. Uh, depending on the product, it varies a little bit. I think you know, it's somewhere in between a half and a third. So, so, I mean, a, a typical blaster will have maybe like nine or ten packs, mm -hmm. and so these are twenty four. So, not not. Not quite half, but not not a you know. Okay, so so it's an appetizer, not an entree. Exactly. Okay, all right. Tops Heritage Baseball, nineteen seventy one design. You said. Yep. Okay. Well, that's my vintage set of the week, nineteen seventy one Tops Baseball. And Joe, I know you can you comment on this and and certainly agree with it. We got to a point beginning in nineteen seventy where. You know, if you start, even in 1969 with Reggie, you ask me about any top set going all the way back, it is defined by either the mantle card or the rookie cards, the crop of rookie cards in any set. That yep. really started to change around 1970, and these sets started being carried really by the unbelievable number of iconic Hall of Famers. I mean, like Robin Roberts is a Hall of Famer. He ain't Willie Mays or Hank Aaron. Um, no. And 71 tops baseball, you know, forever. The number one rookie was Steve Garvey. Then it's whatever it is. Um, there aren't a lot of great rookies in that set, but there's a great Thurman Munson second-year card. Yeah. There's a great Reggie. There's, you know, Bob Gibson and Willie Mays and all of them. Um, and as you said, the Black Beauties, it is, and I'll say a near impossibility because you know the level of cards I collect. 
I bet you I'm working on a set that would consistently grade nine right now with some individual cards that would probably grade higher than that. Now, it's been a card-by-card pursuit since I started this July of 2013. Um, And I still need about 20 cards, and 10 of them are high numbers. I don't know if, if, if you know this off the top of your head. Anybody listening? The Boog Powell card will be the final card you find. Um, I, I don't think it exists centered. Uh, and I think it's card number 700 maybe. It's one of the highest numbers. That's going to be the last card I get because, uh, like I said, I haven't even seen decent copies of it, uh, certainly not raw. Uh, but it's the 71 set, Joe, for the exact same reason that you talked about. It is so gratifying when you finally do find that card that is perfect and centered and corners and the borders aren't chipped. I just love 71 tops. Yeah, yeah, beautiful set. I actually bought a nice run of high numbers recently, and so I have to get you in the shop. But they're uh, they're so tough to find in high grade. Yeah, but you're correct. Very satisfying when you can actually find one. Of course, now when I find them, I grade them. But I know we differ on that. <laughs> yeah, well, if you got the boot pile, uh, pull that one for me. All right, going to wrap up this week's episode of the Collector and the Dealer. Be back next week with more of this fun. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. Is there chaos in your closet? Look, Blouse, you've got some nerve hanging there like that. I can't help it. I'm jammed in here next to this suit. Hey, I'm a three-piece, all right, which means I need a little more room. You've got a lot of attitude for a linen suit. I'm a polyester blend, sweetheart, and there needs to be room for men's clothes, too. Hi, I'm Christina, and in Artisan Custom Closets, we help families organize and simplify their closets with customized storage solutions. See what's possible for your home at artisancustomcloset.com and then call us for a free in-home consultation. 